the seven rings of marriage, how to appreciate the differences between you and your significant other, how to overcome disagreements with your spouse, how to provide grace and forgiveness, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 396 with best-selling author, speaker, and the creator of the seven rings of marriage, Jackie Bledsoe. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, Nick Carrier. I believe the path to getting closer to the best version of yourself is different for all of us, but it follows the same framework. Our lives have six different areas, health, personal, career, financial, spiritual, and relational. And in order to get closer to the best version of ourselves, we want to be managing all of those areas at all times, but also be spiking in one of them. If you want to learn how to do this, then check out my free Best You Planner and video course at nickcarrier.com slash best journey. Again, nickcarrier.com slash best journey. Y'all, today's episode is going to be fire. I mean, do you want to have the best relationship possible with your significant other? If so, which should be every single one of you, then this episode is for you. I first discovered Jackie Bledsoe on the app that I use called YouVersion. YouVersion has been part of my daily morning routine for almost a year now, and Jackie is frequently a featured speaker on it, so it was an absolute thrill for me to bring him on the show. Jackie is a best-selling author, podcast host, and speaker who's helped over 115,000 couples with the seven rings of marriage. And with his wife, Stefana, they co-founded Happily Married Couples, where they help couples build better marriages and Christ-centered families, which intentionally impact the world. Before diving into the episode, be sure you're subscribing to the Best You Podcast on the Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure you share the episode with a friend while you're listening. All you have to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, then I would love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Jackie Bledsoe. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. I am super fired up to be joined by the one and only Jackie Bledsoe Jr. Jackie, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending time with me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Nick. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, man. I've been uh, looking forward to this for a while now. Like I first messaged you back about a month or so ago, I feel like, when I first saw you on the version app. I've been using it now. I have a streak of close to 80, but I started using it towards the end of last year. Anyways, I've been thoroughly enjoying it. It's been a huge part of my morning ritual and my morning routine. And anyway, I've seen you on there a few times and loved the messages that you have given every single morning that you've been on there. And, and, you know, I haven't reached out to anybody else that I've seen. I mean, I've loved everybody who I've seen, but I've reached out to you because I felt a specific connection, I think, to the messages that you portrayed. And so I'm really excited to learn more of that from you myself and then also share that with my audience. But the way I kind of want to start today is I want you to kind of give us a little bit more context and orient my audience a little bit with regards to how you started to kind of working in relationships and then how you formed the seven rings of marriage model and kind of how that came about. Yeah, great question. First, let me say kudos to your streak in the Bible app. I think you said close to 80 days. A friend of mine took a picture when I was a screenshot when I was on there and he sent the screenshot to me. His streak was one day. So I'm like, no, you got to do more than just a day that I'm on there. So no, kudos to you. (laughs) But no, how did I get into relationships? That was a question. Yes, sir. 
Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, my wife and I, we have kind of always been passionate since we got early on in marriage, I'd say passionate about marriage and our marriage and mainly just because we were, it was hard. Uh, most couples start off in marriage in that first year, honeymoon and everything is great, but ours was not great. Uh, we were struggling the first year or so, and that put us on a journey to just really find out how, why are we struggling? And ultimately that led us to connect with some couples that taught us what God says about marriage, which changed our, our minds, changed our perspectives and ultimately changed our marriage and our lives. And so it started way back then early in marriage. And we had no dreams, no desires of, you know, being in marriage ministry or writing books about marriage or, you know, any of the things that we're doing right now. But um, we did kind of organically just find other couples that we hung out with is our little small group. And that became our first real preparation for what we're doing now of kind of helping couples. And that was because we would get together once a month, uh, additionally, other things, but we'd get together officially once a month at someone's house. And whoever hosted would have to study, research, and come up with some sort of tips or something that would help each of us in our marriage because we were all young in marriage and needed help. And so that kind of started it back then. Fast forward to 2010 or so, and um, I lost a job. Um, I was in a sales job, commercial sales, lost a job, wasn't making sales, so they let me go. And I'd been in, I'd owned our own business before. So I was like, I'm not going back to corporate. So I started doing some stuff online. It's like people are making money online to support their family. What's that about? Started that, failed quickly, <laughs> figured out I failed because I had no audience. And then I found out about this thing called a blog. So I started writing a blog and I was really writing from a personal development standpoint from husband who lost his job, who's struggling, all these different areas. Maybe there's some other people I could connect with. Most of the content that I wrote was about what I learned from the relationship with my wife and I. And so that kind of started me writing about marriage and kind of liked it. You know, I learned that it was providing value to other people. And since then, a whole bunch of other stuff has taken off. But that's kind of really how I started writing and creating content about marriage. Wow. So what was the first point then when you realized the blog had a chance to turn into something? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you start blogging, you start creating content online, it's crickets. You don't get a whole bunch of people looking right. at your stuff. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm writing and I'm looking maybe 30 people and that price on a high end, 30 views per day. And I'm probably a third to two thirds of those views, just refreshing, looking at my stuff. And so <clears throat> I found a mentor who was a writer. He's a writer by trade and a writer, he became my writing mentor. So he gave me this challenge. He was like, Hey, when I first started, uh, my mentor asked me to accept the challenge of posting something new every day for 365 straight days. So he said, I want to give that same challenge. You know, I was like, whoa, blown away. I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it. You know, job loss. I'm trying to figure things out. I'm starting to enjoy this writing thing. So I started writing and then I got about 60 days in and I finally missed a day and then just kind of jumped right back on and did it. But in the process of that, another blogger who happened to be a wife and wrote about marriage reached out to me and said, hey, you write about marriage. You're a husband. I write about marriage. I'm a wife. Let's come together and collaborate and do something where we write on the same topic, shared on each other's blogs, and you from husband's perspective, me from wife's perspective. So that let me know, okay, there's something to what I'm doing. Later on, now I had some content out there and a guy reached out to me who became a friend and a mentor of mine, a guy by the name of Lamar Tyler, who at the, he still runs it, but at the time was running the largest site geared towards African-American marriage and family on the web. Uh, so the largest independently owned site. And so he said, hey, we're looking for writers who are men who write about marriage. 
would you like to write for us? So I'm starting to see people reaching out because they're seeing my content and it's providing value. That relationship right there opened the door where my content got everywhere and people were responding. I didn't get that response on my own blog, but people were responding. And I realized like, man, I guess I got some value to add in here. And all I was doing was transparently sharing the ups, the downs, the lessons learned, what somebody else had taught us, everything that we were going through and people could relate to it. That's awesome. Did you get the 365 days in a row? No, I did not. But <laughs> but I got I got to that 60 miss, jumped right back on. I didn't track my streak after that. But I what I did do is create a write a habit of writing. So now I had the habit of writing and I also created the ability, I, I developed the ability to take stories and illustrations from anything that happened on a daily basis. So literally I became a walking blog because I would, something would happen, I'd write about it. It got so bad or so good, I guess I should say, that my son, who's now 16, he's probably five years old. I don't know what he was at the time. He said uh, something happened or something would happen. He said, daddy, are you going to blog about that? <laughs> so he knew everything in life was fair game for daddy to write about. But no, that really developed my writing muscle and the ability to create content because when you write, and that was, you know, you write 60 days in a row. And then I, I did some other writing later. Where I was writing like 50 new blog posts a month for different sites that developed something in you. Well, and I, honestly, I think one of the biggest things with writing that at least I've seen, I don't write nearly that much and I don't write as much as I should and as much as I'd like to. But I think one of the biggest things about writing is you always need new content to write. And so one of the things that you maybe start doing consciously and then start doing more subconsciously is you start to learn from your everyday scenarios a whole lot more than you would in the past. And you start seeing everything as a kind of learning lesson. And that's one of the things that I've started to realize in myself as I start to look at everything. It's almost like kind of annoying. It's, it's like you see everything as how, what lesson can I learn and take away from this situation? Yeah. Yeah. You, you basically, you start paying attention and that's what happened. Like you, we live lives, our lives a lot and we're just going through the motions. We're doing stuff and we got busy lives and schedules. And at the end of the day, we don't really know what happened, but that forced us to pay attention. I always use this illustration. We had a real estate investing company years ago and we would look for properties that were single family homes that were broken down, distressed, maybe bank owned. And then we'd buy them fix them up, we'd lease them out or we'd sell them on a contract or we'd outright sell them to someone else. And so what I noticed, because I'd look at hundreds of houses online and in person, but it got to the point similar to my writing where I'm just driving somewhere down the street and every time I'm driving down the street, I'm looking at every single house and it's an investment. I'm calculating numbers. Where are we at? What's the numbers? Blah, blah, blah. And so that's the same thing that happens when you start paying attention to your daily lives and you're trying to create content from it. You start paying attention and everybody else is driving down the street, saw houses broken down nice or whatever. Didn't matter to them. Me, when I drove down the street, I saw, is this a good investment or is this not? Oh, look at that. It's a bigger house than this house in the neighborhood. Oh, that one's got a garage. I've seen all kinds of different things. Same thing happened with my writing. So I think when we start to really take a look at what's going on and slow things down, it helps us to give a different perspective. And for us content creators, that's a valuable perspective to have because you're always trying to create. Yeah, no doubt. And I think what it does is it, it kind of allows you to have the perspective of somebody who is seeing the situation from an external point of view, right? It's like, you know, you're in the situation, but sometimes when you want to take the learning lesson away from it, you kind of have to put yourself away from it for a second and take it, the external glance at it. And the other thing I think that is super, a key principle that you pointed out was, you know, when you're a real estate investor, you were driving down the road and you were looking at every house as 
uh, investment opportunity. And now as you're a content creator, you're looking at different things as different lessons and different content ideas. The idea is whatever goal that you have for yourself, whatever it is that you're doing, you're going to view the world through that lens. You're going to view the world through the lens of whatever goal that it is that you set out for yourself. And so it's important to set a goal out for yourself that is important to you so that you see the world in keeping with that important goal for yourself. Yeah, that that's good stuff. I love the way you said that because you think of it as someone who is trying to get fit. And now every time they look at someone who's working out or someone who's running or someone what they're eating. So they're looking at all these different things that are going to impact where they're set their heart and their minds on their fitness and their health. I love the way you broke that down. I didn't think of it like that, but it applies to every goal or every area of our lives is our lenses or our perspective changes. And we see it completely different to everybody else. I don't know if you talk about this with goals, but that's why we want to see our goals in front of us on a regular basis. We see our goals now that's in perspective versus we write up at the beginning of the year, we never look at them again. We've forgotten. So now when we're making this decision, we don't have that thing to reflect on and run it through the process of, is this helping my goal or hurting my goal? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I do fitness goals with people and this funny that you bring that up. And so, you know, for example, it's like, if you have a goal to lose 10 pounds, you then see the cookie that somebody offered you as something that would get in the way of that goal. But if you don't have the goal to lose 10 pounds, you don't see the cookie in that particular way anymore. But anyways, I thought that was super enlightening that you brought that up as well. I kind of want to go back to, you guys said, you said in the first year of marriage, it was something that y'all struggled with. What was one of the early on tips or early on pieces of advice that really helped you and your new wife at the time to help work through that a little bit? Yeah, that's a great, great question. This was the biggest lesson and this became something that has become something that has stayed with us all throughout our marriage is when we got married, we were pretty young, uh, mid twenties, younger twenties. Uh, my wife was fresh out of school. Uh, I think I was a couple years out of school and we didn't have other couples, friends and peers who were married. And so I think both of us had one friend that was married. Everybody else was not married. So one, our friendships, our relationships were like, we were looking at the first friends to get married. Like, what are you doing getting married? It's not time to get married yet. Neither one of us was thinking about marriage. So we realized when we met an older couple, we kind of started to share different principles and share their experiences that we needed someone else. We needed other people with us because we couldn't go to talk to our single friends about some of the issues that we were talking about because they're treating relationships like a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship that when it's not working, you're out. And we were, yeah. we, we learned early from that couple. It's like divorce is not an option. And so basically like they, they gave us the, what they did is like, we don't play with it. We don't joke with it. We don't mention it. It became a banned word in our house. And we're, we're, we're a homeschooling family or we used to be. And so we, we had banned words for our kids where words that we use over and over again, you're not allowed to stay in the house, Well, we made divorce a banned word, not because we were using it because we received that counsel. And so now the thing is divorce is not an option here. So what's the only option? We stay together. But how do we want to stay together? We want to stay together miserably or do we want to stay together and become a happily married couple? And so that forced us into some different decisions. So those, I guess that's two things. One is divorce is not an option. Number two is marriage is not a solo sport. You need other couples walking this journey with you that can be there side by side with you. That's in the same struggle. Couples that can tell you some things that you haven't been and experienced yet that to be, to be prepared for. And you know, even now where we are now, where we're helping other couples because we have the experience to do it. So those, that community of couples, as well as just that principle, hey, we're together no matter what happens. When you have a community of couples or you have couples that you're close with that you kind of discuss some of these issues with, what does the conversation sound like with your wife when it 
comes to what you guys are wanting to and willing to discuss and ask about with other couples? Because I feel like certain times problems are very personal and maybe one person only feels comfortable discussing that with the other significant other and maybe they don't feel comfortable discussing it with other couples. So what does the conversation sound like with regards to what we can bring up with other couples versus what doesn't need to be brought up with other couples? Yeah, great question. Um, I'll share a couple of stories to answer that. Uh, one uh, literally just happened the other day and uh, my wife and I, our offices are wall to wall. Uh, so you can kind of hear what's going on. She was having a conversation with somebody and this was the conversation was not about marriage, but they were asking some questions. They were on Zoom or something and they were and she was just like an open book sharing stuff. And <laughs> And so I, I get my phone and I'm texting. I was like, babe, you can't say everything. And so uh, she responded back in the middle of that comer- in that conversation. She's like, I'm sorry, I just can't not tell the truth. <laughs> and yeah. so for her, it was like, hey, this is the way I function. And so, you know, we've had, you know, that especially early on with me writing and a lot of stories are about stuff going on between us. She, I don't think she ever said no, no, you can't share that. You can't say this or whatever. I think that just our MO has just been to be transparent and be real that, hey, we're, we mess up. We're in the middle of this or whatever. I, and here's the other story I want to share. And this is a, about a month ago, we were doing an event. I mean, this is one of our larger events. This, there's a, probably about just shy of a thousand couples, 900 some couples wow. there at the event. And we're partnering up with two other, it's a family life weekend to remember event. So we're one of three couples that are presenting that weekend. And so we, Friday night, Saturday night, or Friday night, Saturday and Sunday conference, we give the last talk of the night on Friday, which just happens to be the communication talk. So we're telling them how to have better communication. We go back to our hotel room that night and I make a decision regarding our kids who are however many hours away because we're out of town uh, and I didn't consult her. She finds out. And at that point, we didn't have another word to say. She said something. I said something. She texts something and we're in the same hotel room. I text something back and we don't have another. We don't say another word to each other the rest of the night. Uh, she goes a bit mad. I'm still at work and preparing for the talk tomorrow. The next day uh, we wake up. Still no conversation. We are slated to give the first talk of the morning. <laughs> We've had we just finished the communication talk. And so as I'm preparing and studying and reviewing the information, the thing that we were supposed to teach was about how. God asked us in marriage to do things that we're not capable of doing on our own. Therefore, we have to lean on him to do these things. And so I was like, neither one of us, this is, we did not want to get on that stage. We didn't want to talk to each other. We didn't want to share anybody. And so as I'm reading that, I'm like, babe, we got to talk about this because this is a perfect example of what he means when he's telling us that, hey, we got to do A, B, C, D. Uh, We got to forgive. You know, we got to love. We got to respect all these different things, whatever points we were making. I got to share it because it's a perfect illustration and it's real. And she was like, I can't. She's like, you can talk. I won't. She didn't say no, but that perspective right there is where, okay, the conversations are not fluid. There's not like, okay, A, B, C, D. It's a situation. Like I didn't want to talk about that either, but I just couldn't not talk about it because I knew somebody else in the audience went to bed last night at, at this marriage conference and didn't speak to their spouse. So what better way to share the truth and saying, we're speaking, we taught you how to have better communication. We didn't talk last night, but now we're coming back together and we need help from God to continue doing what we're doing. Same way for you. So at the end of the day, that's what we usually boil it down to. It's like, can this be helpful to somebody? If so, let's share it and just ask God to help us to share it in a way that doesn't 
mess up our ministry <laughs> or embarrass one of the other. We don't embarrass one another. Um, we definitely don't do that. Uh, we've had some jokes at each other's expense, but not to a degree where it embarrasses or calls someone out of their name or anything like that. But you know, that's, that's kind of how we roll. Yeah, uh, I like that. What's the proper transition point when it comes to an issue like that? When somebody wants to talk about somebody, something or an issue that went on or a conflict that went on and the other person's not necessarily receptive, what next? Yeah, great, great question. Um, in that situation, you know, that was what she just said, I, I can't say anything about it. And she later said that if I talk about it, I'm going to cry on stage because she was still bothered by it. She was still hurt. Other than that situation, that's one situation I can remember. Other than that, if it is still a fresh wound, although we've shared other fresh wounds on stage, uh, if it was still a fresh wound, then typically that may be the thing that says not yet. Yeah. We'll, we'll work, we'll work through it. We'll talk about it le- later. But if it's a scab, you know, something that's already scabbed up, peeled up, we still got some bruises from it or some marks from it, but we can share now from a different p- perspective, then that's it. But like I said, we've shared in the middle of a fresh wound, not to be too preachy, but we're just really trusting God. God, you called us to this thing to be, to be real and to help couples. And the realest way to do it is to share that we are just like them and we make mistakes we don't talk. We do all these things, but we lean on you to help us get through it. That's awesome. That's great. Good for you guys. I want you to give us a little bit of a rundown of brief overview of the seven rings of marriage and give us some context on that. We'll be back to the interview in just a second. But first, I wanted to share a quick testimonial from a past participant of the 10-week transformation program. I started running the 10WT in the beginning of 2020, and I've had over 150 people on counting go through it, and they've seen amazing results both inside and out. If you're inspired to join after listening to the testimonial, then go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. We'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first, here's what they had to say. Hi, I'm Hillary, and I joined the 10-week program for overall fitness goals to work on weight loss and just overall well-being goals. So far, I've lost 12 pounds. Uh, I've gained a lot more muscle. I feel like my endurance has increased and I've made a lot of new friends. My favorite thing about the program is all the friends that I've met, also just holding myself more accountable in different areas of life. I feel like I've improved in nutrition, fitness, and just well-being. You should join the next 10-week program. Yeah, yeah. Interrupt me if you wanted to stop and ask a question. Uh, I'll briefly run through them. Um, you got seven rings, of course. And, and basically the seven rings uh, are the different seasons that lasting and fulfilling marriages go through. Uh, every couple who's a happily married couple has, has been through some stuff and is still together, but they still have a fulfilling marriage. They've gone through these seven rings of marriage. Uh, the first one is, uh, and it's a play on word with ring. So obvious. The first ring is the engagement ring, which is obvious. You know, that's when, you know, early in getting uh, started in marriage or engaged. But what each ring, we try to focus on that there's specific skills and lessons that need to be learned to help you as you continue to grow and mature in marriage. So that one, the engagement ring is all about the foundation of your marriage. And that is have, coming together as a couple and saying, hey, our foundation is going to be built on this. For us, that is our relationship with Christ. That's our foundation. So that's the engagement ring. The wedding ring, you know, kind of obvious as well. That is where you're coming together, your commitment. You're like, okay, now we are saying, we've said, I do, we're married, we're committed. The skill there is to focus on, this is not a um, contractual relationship like I had in real estate where we'd write a contract and have clauses to get out if it was something went wrong, Uh, but it's a covenant relationship. We're in this, like the couple told us, divorce is not an option, we're in it forever. So now we look at it through that perspective. Next is the discovering where you are starting to discover things about your spouse and about marriage 
some of which may not be flattering. We always say what was once appealing can become appalling. So you're in that situation. The lesson there is you want to become a lifelong learner of your spouse, not accidentally, but intentionally learn more about your spouse. Next. I want to, I want to, I want to ask something on on this discovery thing, because I do think that I'm glad that you said the commitment or the wedding ring with regards to the commitment and being a covenant is so important because some people, when they do discover something new about it, they'll run away pretty quickly. I feel like if they don't have, they haven't gone through that skill development of commitment. So when somebody does figure out something, <laughs> discover something new about their spouse or new, new significant other, new husband or wife that they did not know that maybe they're not all that fond of, what's the next step? Is the next step addressing them about it, asking them about it? What happens next? Yeah, great question. Yeah, and I think that's it. First, it's like we when we discover things, the first thing we're going to do is not just discover things about them, but about us as well. So as we find mm-hmm. something that is appalling about them, they've probably found something that is appalling about us as well. So keep that in perspective is number one. But also we have to learn to appreciate the differences. One of our former pastors used to say, if if both of us are the same, then one of us is not needed. And so God has allowed us to come together where we are two different people who are becoming one. And so there's going to be challenges. So just really appreciate and respect those differences. But yes, you got to have a conversation about it, especially if it's something that's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know about this. Most of the time it's the little bitty stuff. For me or Stefana, former basketball player, college basketball player, and I'd never put my socks in the hamper. (laughs) They'd be right next to it. She's like, how can you not put the socks in that big old thing right there? And you can shoot a basketball from 20 feet out. So little stuff, but have the conversation about it. But really seek to learn more about your spouse because you'll start to discover many, many things and over the years that are different. But then ask God to help you appreciate those differences, not to ask them change that person, but let me still love that person the same, just as you love me the same, even though I got issues and I do things that hurt you and grieve you. So it just becomes a, a, that type of perspective and that type of walk together. It's like, all right, we're going to be different. I'm not going to be surprised about it. How are we going to handle it? And I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah, I think going in with that expectation is really important. Expect them to be different. Expect to find things and discover things different about them so that when you do, you're not necessarily surprised. You might have different levels of fondness of whatever it is that you find, but I think there is still something to be said with having the expectation of discovering new things about your spouse. Yeah, yeah. I'll give a personal example from us. Is my wife, Stefana. She is, she's, you know, very... um, I don't want to say very emotional, but um, she shows her emotions. And really in our marriage, she used to, what I felt like, she would cry over nothing. You're talking about crying over spilled milk. Like we'd be riding in the car, look over, she's crying. And then it'll get to the point where she couldn't control it. And so she's just like, just this emotional wreck at that point. And she's not trying to be. And so I would get frustrated. So first I would think she's not talking about it. So it must be me. So I'm like, she's mad at me. She won't talk to me about it. Now we're having this issue. So I'm really, really frustrated. With it. And I was like, man, why in my mind, I'm thinking, why are you, what is going on? And I was the opposite end of the spectrum. Like something that you're supposed to be crying over, I couldn't shed a tear. And so over time, you know, I started to see through different scenarios and different circumstances. And they weren't always sad tears. Like one time she was crying on her birthday. I thought it was my fault. She was crying because our daughter was away from home for the first time on her birthday. And she had sent her a nice message. Didn't know that. So she broke down. But over time, I began to be a little bit more in touch with my feelings and a little, I would say more healthy 
because you just can't have to the point where you just don't express any negative feelings like that. And and I think I kind of helped her to be able to handle some stuff when maybe it wasn't as deep as crying or whatever. So over time, we began to kind of come together in that. And to the point where at one point I was like, man, I'm this emotional wreck. I'm a grown man <laughs> crying over stuff that I shouldn't be crying over. But it helped me to, to be more empathetic to people. And that was the biggest thing. She has a big heart and very empathetic towards people. And so we kind of helped each other out in that, in that situation. So you know, that's where it goes back to appreciating the differences and not condemning those differences because you know, and premarital counseling would help with this, which we did not do. Uh, which is why our first few years were, were kind of rough, but um, that is a difference that will, it will make a difference in your marriage. That's great. Appreciate you sharing that story. I think, I think that'll be something that people can relate to with regards to whether or not they have that same situation with their significant other, or at least something similar. But anyways, I'm going to let you pick up. We got the engagement ring, the wedding ring, the discover ring. What's number four? Yeah. The fourth ring and right kind of like the fork in the middle is the persevering. And so that is the fourth ring right in the middle. It's kind of that thing where it's like, okay, we're in the middle of something. We go right and stay in the marriage or go left and get out of the marriage. You know, what what do we do? Uh, The first time we spoke on the seven rings of marriage, a guy came up to me afterwards and he said, "Uh, you forgot a ring. And so I'm thinking in my mind, you know, this is the first time we spoke. I'm like, dang, did I really forget one of my own seven rings of marriage? And I was like, oh yeah, which ring? And he said, the suffering. And he, so he started busting out laughing and, you know, I laughed about it. But in perspective, we, the, the suffering would fit in the persevering. We chose to use the word, because Stefana helped me create the seven rings, uh, the persevering, because the focus is really that not you're just suffering for suffering's sake, but you're going through some stuff, but you come, you're coming out and you're going to be better because of what you went through. So you, you have to persevere. It's tough and it's hard, but you're coming on the other side. And, and, you know, God says that, you know, we've got great blessings or, you know, different when we go through some things, consider pure joy when we go through trials of all kinds of uh, sorts and stuff like that. So when we get out, he's going to do something through us through that. So the persevering is where you got to learn how to have conflict and develop your, your skills of uh, overcoming conflict and disagreements and the things that you discover that rub you the wrong way, not letting that derail you to the point where it's like our marriage doesn't need to be here. We're going to persevere through it. So that's the fourth ring. Fifth ring, after you go through some stuff, you know, that could be as serious as infidelity. That could be as minor as just the personality issues or communication challenges that you're having. But now you've got broken heart, broken pieces of your marriage. And now it comes to the the restoring where now you've got to put the pieces back together, men, hearts, feelings, all those different things. And that is where you really develop the skill or uh, the heart of grace and forgiveness. Because if you are married longer than a week, your spouse and you are going to do something to each other that is going to hurt. And that is going to be a cause for giving grace and also asking for and granting forgiveness. So that's the restoring. And then after that, we get to the point where it's like, we've been through so much in marriage. And, you know, we realize that some of the problems that used to trip us up when we were younger or early in marriage don't trip us up as much or as long. And we have a different perspective and we're prospering in our marriage. And so this is where we are really like, man, we went through this a few years ago but it didn't impact us the same. Not saying your marriage is perfect, but you now have a perspective where you're looking at the blessings that you've had. That could be through kids. That could be through just being uh, one of the few couples still standing together in marriage, whatever it may be. Now, now you're at a different level in your marriage. And you know, for all intents and purposes, marriage is great. You're happily married, not without problems, but in a great place. And then once you do that, you go through all six rings uh, or six of the seven rings. Now you're at the point where it's like, okay, 
our marriage is bigger than just us. The problems that we went through and God helped us through, it's not just for our own benefit, but it's for other couples. And so now you go to the mentoring where you share your experience, your life lessons, your marriage lessons with couples who may be there now or on the way there or been there and came through, but need some, just some guidance and some help. So you start to pour back into other couples. So that, that's the seven rings in a kind of two or three minutes uh, synopsis there. Yeah, let me know your questions. No, that was that was great. You can tell that you've done that thousands of times. I think one of the things that I want to ask about is the restoring and the grace and forgiveness with somebody who might be listening who says, I'm just an impatient person and I've always been impatient and I'm always going to be impatient. Talk to me about how you think somebody can develop patience and, and work on themselves to be a little bit more patient. Like, like practically, you know, everybody says I want to be more patient, but nobody, very few people actually take practical action on trying to develop their own patience. So what, what practically can people do to work on developing their own patience? Yeah. Um, the, the thing about restoring and, and, you know, if you have patience with somebody or continue doing something is that you can not restore your marriage on your own. It's possible. Going back to what I mentioned earlier, when we got on the stage and we were sharing, like we are asked to do certain things that we can't do on our own. We need God's help. We need the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit to help us. So that restoring is something that God has to do in your relationship. So when you're at that point, that's when you get closer to him. That's when you amp up your prayer life. That's when you, you amp up your um, hearing from him through reading the Bible, through having other conversations with couples who you know will point you back to what God says is true about marriage. And so that's where we have been is where like, okay, we, we've gone through this. We struggled. We can't do it on our own. We can all the practical things. Hey, do A, B, C, D. None of that's going to work. God is the one that's got to restore the relationship. So you have to lean on him and trust him. And I know some couples typically are going to ask, well, what if I'm the only one willing to do it? it sometimes we are have to be the person that is pursuing the restoration of our marriage, even though our spouse is not. And we got to, again, lean on God to do that. So you just because your spouse is not at the same level or page you are at that particular moment doesn't mean it's wasted or it's impossible. Be consistent. So I, I'll give this example. And one of the challenges of when we got married is that we, our daughter was 10 months old. So we were young, new in marriage and had a new child. Three things that are combustible if you yeah. don't have maturity. We did not have maturity. And so, but prior to us getting married and we were in a dating relationship, I was not faithful to Stefana. And so years into our marriage, there was still this lack of trust. I had hurt her and there was still lack of trust. And some of the things I was doing early in marriage didn't help. I would, you know, after we got married, I'd go hang out all night with my buddies and we were gamers. We were playing Madden. Anybody that plays Madden football, we'd stay up like five o'clock in the morning. And so here I am, a man who was unfaithful to my wife now I'm, or to my girlfriend. Now I'm married to her and now I'm staying out at night. She doesn't know where I am. So over time, I had to be consistent. You know, I knew in my heart, my mind that those were days of the past when I was committed to our marriage and our family. But over time, I had to basically be consistent in what I was doing. I had to, I had to, if I said I was going to do something, I had to do it. If I said I'll be home at five, I had to be home at five. If I said that I was going to do A, B, C, D, I had to do it. So I had to show consistency over time. For her, it was, you know, I wish she was here to share it, but from her perspective, it was just a continuing to see that consistency and finally releasing enough to say, okay, 
he is who he is, he says, says he is, and he is doing what he says, says he's doing. So I think it's just a time thing sometimes where it comes in that, but I couldn't have done that. She couldn't have done that without a lot of prayer, without a lot of counsel from people who are pointing us to scripture. She, she had a scripture posted up Galatians six and nine, do not grow weary and well-doing for at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And so she had to continue doing the things over and over and over again, that would show that, okay, we're in this thing together and okay, I got to give you the grace and the trust that you are going to do what you're going to do. And you're not going to take me back to where we were before. So hopefully that helps. But that's a practical example from where we were uh, in our marriage and how we were kind of restoring some things that had lingered for a while. Yeah. Now, I really appreciate you sharing and and being open about that because I think a lot of people will, I think, find insight with regard to if they did something that hurt their spouse and are looking to find a way to regain back that trust, it's it's consistency. It's find a way to show them on a daily basis or on a very regular basis that you are going to be in alignment with what you said you're going to do. You make them a promise, then you keep it. Make them another promise, then you keep it. And you make, keep, and repeat. And I think that is, if anybody is struggling in a relationship because they lost the trust of somebody else, that's the, the way you gain it back. Yeah. 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 And it goes with yourself as well. You know, you got to show up, make those commitments. I'm, I'm a big sports analogy guy, but I remember Kobe Bryant saying that he doesn't negotiate with himself. And so when he makes a commitment, he shows up and he does it no matter what, if I'm going to run at or work out at such and such, I don't care if I'm tired the night before something happened, I made that commitment. There's no, no negotiating. So I show up. So you get to that point where you're those small things. And, and the reason why Kobe Bryant can hit shots in front of X, you know, could hit shots in front of so many people under such pressure situations, because he had done those small shots over and over and over and over and again, thousands of times. So those little bitty micro commitments to ourselves, to our spouse and to our marriage and our family over and over again. And the little ones are the ones that we don't pay attention to, but you can view those as the fundamentals of something that you're doing that now are in you. And after you, after I shoot a million elbow jump shots, shooting it with defense on me or anybody else, I could probably do it with my eyes closed because I've I've memorized those things. So you got to practice those little bitty things that are going to lead to restoring the trust and patience and the grace and the forgiveness and all that. Mm. You're speaking my language. I talk to everybody about the importance of following through with the promises that you make to yourself. And you got to make yourself promises every single day. And I'm going to butcher which, probably exactly what verse it is. And you're not the person that I should butcher it to. But if, I think it's it's like maybe Luke chapter six, where it says something to the extent of, if you can be trusted with the small things and you can be trusted with the, the large things. Yep. Um, anyways, so the great stuff, great stuff. But one of the things that I wanted to ask is, I guess you had a child very early on. So this might be a little bit less applicable, but I feel like you'll still be able to know how to address it. What is one of the biggest changes that people, maybe unforeseen changes that happens in a relationship when children are now entering the picture and how do people navigate those unforeseen changes? Yeah, great question. I think we're living it right now, even though our our kids right now are 21, 16 and 12. Uh, Is that how much, they, the, the kids dominate your life schedules and all that type of stuff. And uh, we call them the, there's a, a Bible verse in Song of Solomon that talks about take care of the little foxes who are going to destroy your vineyard of love or your garden of love. Those little foxes, our kids and you know other stuff just really distract us from our, their distraction to our relationship. Yes, they are something that we produce together and they bring us together. But, you know, 
I just talked to you, I think when we were first getting on here, maybe before we started recording about planning for our spring breaks and all the different things that are going on and we're going in different directions. That's a small snippet of what happened. So I think that having kids is amazing. It's, it's, a, it's a great blessing but it can become a distraction to your union, to your marriage. And that's one thing I think people, they underestimate. And so I read some statistics that say most divorces happen within the f- first four years. And then mm-hmm. the next highest level of divorce is after year 25. So I was like, why after year 25? Well, after year 25 is when you're about an empty nesters. And so now you spent the last 20 years or so catering to your kids and their schedules and you've neglected your marriage. And now you look up and you're strangers. You haven't connected. You don't have anything to do because everything that you did for the last 10 years was around your kids' schedules. And so that's something that to be very, very careful of, which is why we always talk about dating your spouse weekly, no matter what it is, because if your kids got sports weekly, I guarantee you're making them show up to that or you're taking them, but we got to put into that relationship. So just the time suck or distraction to your marriage from, uh, from knocking on the door when you're trying to be intimate to we want to do this, but no, we got Johnny's got to be here and Jane's got to be over here. So that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the, I appreciate you saying it like that too. And I think a lot of people need to realize that's not necessarily a negative thing. A distraction is just something that deviates your focus from a particular thing. And so it's not saying that kids are bad, obviously. He's just saying that it's a distraction from the thing, from them being together, uh, just the two of them. So before I ask the last question here, Jackie, I just want to acknowledge you. First off, I really appreciate your openness with the different stories that you've shared today with you and your wife and all the things that y'all have gone through and, and worked through, because like you said, it really is so powerful for other people to hear those sorts of things and relate with those sorts of things and know that, okay, if they've gone through it and worked through it, then we can do the same thing as well. So I appreciate you sharing all that stuff and appreciate you sharing those seven rings of marriage. I'm not engaged, married or anything like that at the moment, but I know that I got a lot out of that myself and and will work to apply that as I get closer to that season of my life. And I know a lot of people on here, whether they're engaged, married, married for a short time, married for a long time, then they'll find value in that as well. So I appreciate you sharing all that work. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad to be in here. I'm assuming somebody in your audience is married. So hopefully this is a word that they can use to be encouraged. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely plenty, plenty. But, and I want to make sure everybody has the ability to go learn more about you because I know they're going to want to go get more content like this and learn more like this because there are plenty of people who are listening right now who are like, oh my gosh, I need to hear more of these things on a regular basis. So make sure you guys go follow him on Instagram at Jackie Bledsoe Jr. You need to follow Four Happy Couples on Instagram as well. And then you can go to his website, JackieBledsoe.com and HappilyMarriedCouples.com. Is there any other way that people should go learn more about you and connect? Yeah, I say this is something where they can learn more about them and their marriage is to, is to go to, uh, we have a, a free quiz on our Happily Married Couple site that will actually quiz you and find out, give, assess your marriage and find out which ring you're wearing. So which of the seven rings that you're in right now, which will help you and it will give you a plan that, to address those skills in that particular ring. So just go to, I got a special link for your people. Just go to happilymarriedcouples.com forward slash the best you. Boom. I love it. Happilymarriedcouples.com slash the best you. I'll make sure to have that linked up in the show notes. Y'all, I actually saw that right before getting on as well. And I know that that's something that everybody who's married will be able to relate to. Like you probably, in listening to those seven rings, 
related to a lot of the things that he mentioned. So make sure that you go on there and, and take advantage of that. But the last question here, Jackie, is I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant journey and a unique journey. I don't think we ever get to that best version. And I also think that the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So last question is for you personally. If there are three things that you can currently do or three things that you could currently work on to get closer to that best version of Jackie Blood so that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? First one is something I'm, I'm good at sometimes and some seasons I'm not, is that is to be consistent on my 5 a.m. morning routine. That sets my day. Everything else flows from that. Uh, when I don't, it just is a little bit different. So that's that's number one. Number two, and, and this is going to be all related. Number two is make sure that I am spending, if I'm going to consume content, that I am spending uh, as you know, at least an equal amount of time of consuming content from what the word of God from the Bible than all the other content areas that mm-hmm. I'm spending time in. Because uh, we're in a content generation and information is, is overload out there and you can get it from anywhere. So measure what content you're spending and if it's pouring into you or if it's actually just entertainment pulling from you, which is not bad, but if you do most of that, it's not good. And the last thing is to, um, you said three things that, are, that will bring me the best you. And this is part of my morning routine is to consistently take care of my mind and body. I used to just focus on physical, uh, but I've been doing some studying on the brain and so much is dictated by the thoughts that we put into our brains and into our, our heads. Amen. Those are three great things. I really like that middle one. I've never heard that before. An equal amount of content from God and equal amount of content from all the other things that are prying for our attention. But anyways, that's all we got today. I know everybody is going to love that. Make sure you guys go follow him on Instagram. Make sure you go to happilymarriedcouples.com slash the best you and take that quiz if you guys want to figure out which ring of marriage that you are currently at. But Jackie, that was awesome today, man. Really appreciate you joining me. That's all we got. Yes, the president. Thanks, Dick. Glad to be here. Wow. I mean, that episode was amazing. Y'all be sure to go learn more about Jackie and the seven rings of marriage at happilymarriedcouples.com slash the best you. Again, happilymarriedcouples.com slash the best you so that you can get the special offer that he's giving to all you guys who are subscribers of the best you podcast. Happilymarriedcouples.com slash the best you. I hope y'all found those seven rings and then some of his stories as powerful as I did. I loved what he said about the third ring, the discover ring. He said, if both of us are the same, then one of us is not needed. And that's so true. Like We need to learn how to appreciate certain differences that we have with our significant others and search for ways that those differences actually benefit us and make it so that one plus one equals three. Make sure you share this episode with your significant other or make sure you share it with a friend or family member who might be struggling in their own relationship. You literally never know if this episode might make the relationship go from just married to happily married. And remember, if you enjoyed the episode, then share it with somebody at nickcarrier.com slash podcast, and you can leave a five-star rating and review. But for now, it is time. It's time to go out there and show up and show out. For those of you who have spouses, be committed. Be appreciative of the differences that you have with your significant other and provide them with the grace and forgiveness that you would like when you inevitably fall short yourself of their standards. Because if you do, 
it will allow you to continue to get closer and closer to your best you.